an Ironic Media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. And are you familiar with the meanings of organs? In Chinese medicine, every organ represents an emotion. Stomach mm-hmm. is allowing new energy in. Small intestines is integrating new information. Lungs are grief. Liver is anger. Gallbladder is resentment. Pancreas is the inner child and the sweetness in life. Spleen is worry. I use that, especially with little kids. When kids are really off balance emotionally, sometimes you can tell physically where they're off balance by the emotions they're expressing. And then what you need to treat. If a kid Hmm. is really, really, really scared, their kidneys or their bladder are probably out of balance. So give that kid some cranberry juice. If they're having stomach issues, what's happening in their lives that they don't want to absorb, that they don't want to let in. And there's always something that you can learn. The body speaks to us. It tells us. We just have to learn to listen. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Jody Parker, and she is a shaman, quantum vibrational healer, and health and wellness consultant, as well as a homeschooling mom. She is also on the forefront of sharing the latest news about what we can do to raise our vibration on the planet. I do love the posts that she puts up, so I asked her to be a guest on the podcast. She used to be a television producer, and you can tell she has that investigative journalist kind of energy where you're just like digging for the truth. And I love it. Also, you talk about a new earth, which I am a fan of the new earth theory and that we are moving to a higher vibration. I look at it like we're going from third chakra, which is where there's a right, wrong judgment, lack of empowerment, victim mentality, circumstances are out of my hands kind of mentality to you do you, I love you. Here's my light. (laughs) Let's work together. Let's create a new way of doing things. One that isn't necessarily destroying, but creating, unless it's destroying the old, right? Which is okay. It's, and that's happening. Like there's a deconstructing of the matrix. We talked about this a couple episodes ago where we're trying to figure out what is the new earth going to look like? What are we going to be doing, feeling, creating, being. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Jody. Thank you for being here. I'm just so honored to be here. Thank you for asking me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. I feel like I'm lucky to get to talk to you. And also, I just heard that you might be working for Deltry. So we wish you the best for that. Also in the forefront of helping to change things on the planet in such a, a huge way. How did you get into this? Because you were in television and you were working as a producer. How did you get into the health and wellness field? Because it's almost a leap, like kind of like I did from science teacher to uh, energy healer. (laughs) That's really funny. Actually, it happened because of the television show. So I was a segment news producer for a morning three-hour newscast. So my job was to bring the guests onto the show and try to do all the research and write the scripts. And I even had to put powder on the guest faces. And so the people who came through at the television station were people on book tours. So I met Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williamson and James Redfield and Neil Donald Walsh and so on and so forth. And we had an herbalist who used to come on the show to talk about natural remedies for ear infections and prepare yourself for flu season and things like that. And way back in 2001, she sat me down and taught me the difference between conventional farming and organic farming. And me being me, I went home and got rid of everything in my kitchen and gave it all to the food pantry and started over organic. That was the beginning. That was Um, 2001. That's a long time. That was 2001. Wow. Yes. I didn't even hear about the word organic per se and what it meant till like 2008. And I remember when I heard about it, I was working with this family and they were like, we're going to go organic. I was like, (laughs) and then I was like, wait, let me consider this. But that's the only time that I really got introduced to it was in 2008. So you're seven years before that. It's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was really early. And I was really lucky in that because I'd already kind of started studying energy healing by that point, but just 
right in the beginning. I was three years in. That was 2001. 2004 is when I had my first child. And he, at three months old, started getting really bad eczema. Mm. And so me being me, I started researching and said, they said it was probably food allergies and he was breastfed. So I was taking things out of my diet. I had cleansed before I got pregnant. He was born naturally. He was exclusively breastfed. I was doing everything right. Mm -hmm. And he was getting sicker and sicker and sicker to the point by the time he was four months old, he was covered in rashes, big dark circles under his eyes, wasn't sleeping longer than an hour and 20 minutes at a time. Couldn't have a bowel movement at all. And it turns out I go to the pediatrician. They want to put him on Zantac and laxatives. And I was like, no, what's causing this? Mm -hmm. Turns out he was an early liver failure. (sighs) And if I hadn't pushed, and if I hadn't hunted for a holistic doctor who would listen to me, he would have gone into full liver failure. Like I, I was three, four weeks shy of him, of his liver completely shutting down. But I knew to look for causes and rather instead of treating symptoms, because mm. my friend had sat me down and taught me all that and it saved my son's life. Wow. What an incredible story. So after you figured this out, like, what did you do? I mean, like, what do you do for liver failure for an infant? I mean, I don't know. It's so such a scary time when you have a young infant and then to have complications with an infant, it's even harder. Like it's already so hard. You already are like in fight or flight. You already aren't sleeping. You already are in a hormonal mess. So I can't even imagine. And then, and then you're trying to look for the root cause. So what did you wind up doing? It was fascinating. So we knew he was really sick and all three of my children are very, very, what we would, what I like to call high vibrational. So some people call them crystal kids or indigo or star seeds or whatever word you want to use. Mm -hmm. Very sensitive, very sensitive to energy, very empathic. And he was very telepathic and he kept saying, mommy, it hurts, mommy, it hurts. And everybody thought I was crazy. I was dreaming about him. He was talking to me in my dreams. And I told my husband, he's really, really sick. And, and everybody thought I was a crazy first time mom. I wasn't mm-hmm. sleeping either. Cause he wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. And I called everybody I knew. Cause this was before Facebook. Cause it's way back in 2004. And I just called everybody. I knew like I, when you had a list of phone numbers, it was back then mm-hmm. and said, do you know somebody who can help us? And somebody did. And the man who ended up helping us was a doctor of chiropractic that does bioenergetic medicine. And he uses something called electrodermal screening to do the diagnostics. So electrodermal screening has an electrode connected to the computer, and it uses the acupuncture points on the hands and the feet to determine the health of the organs and the systems in the body. Cool. And 50 is balanced. It measures energy in the body in the same way, like an EKG or an EEG does. So 50 is balanced between 40 and 60 is within normal range below 40 is under functioning above 60 is over functioning or too hot, too much heat, too much inflammation. And my son's entire digestive tract from basically esophagus to rectum was above 70 and his liver was at like 85. And so we took him in, it was the day before he turned five months old and he tested him and he was reacting to like all kinds of foods, like 40 different foods. He was histamine intolerant. He was chemically sensitive. And throughout the years, we finally figured out he had methylation issues and detox issues genetically. So we're kind of the canary in the coal mine, Mm -hmm. genetically speaking. And this diagnostic technique has like a plate connected to the computer and you can test the supplement or the homeopathic or whatever it is with the person to see if it brings them back into balance. Wow. That's cool. And so nothing was invasive. He was tiny and it was okay. A lot of it went through my breast milk. Like if he couldn't eat it, I couldn't eat it. Mm -hmm. So I sacrificed a lot. I lost a good amount of weight. It was adding protein powder to my oatmeal every day, just trying to keep weight on. And it took us about 14 months to get his bowels moving correctly again and get his system really calmed down. And I remember asking the doctor, like, how bad was it? And he said, Jody, Joshua was the sickest baby I'd ever seen. If you had waited another month to bring him in, he would have been in complete liver failure. And thus my mission to help all the mamas and save all the babies. Mama intuition is really strong. And I remember when I had given birth to my son, I was pushing for him to have my breast milk. And they were like, no, 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 he should have this high fructose corn syrup instead. And I was like, no, 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 he's that this is going to be fine. And she's like, well, he can only have a very tiny bit. And I was like, no, we're going to give him some more. And sure enough, that kid, holy moly, he put on one pound every week after he was born. And they were like, we've never seen this kind of growth in a kid. (laughs) 
that was was my daughter (laughs) they're like what the hell I'm like I told you he eats all the time it was really funny and he's still a good eater and he's solid as a rock in seven now so he he never really had the preemie stuff going on with him where it's supposed to like be to like four or something and they then they start to catch up he just was like blew everything away so that was cool and fortunate for us of course this obviously shaped your journey. You were like, wow, how do I share what I've learned with so many people? So what did you, what did you, where did you start? I think it was Mamapedia that was like a, an email letter that went out and you could get on this forum and like help other moms. And so I started doing that and just answering questions hmm. and providing answers. And my two, I have three kids and my oldest and my second are three years, eight months apart. And the second one was just as sensitive as the, as the first. He never got as sick because I knew what to do by that point. And he had different issues, different sensitivities, but I learned a ton and I paid attention and I researched. And so by the time the second was about a year and a half, so that would have been about 2009, I was on a mission. I had all this knowledge and all this stuff that I could share with people. And as a mom, when your baby's sick and you don't have answers, it is the worst feeling in the world. It's horrifying. You're stressed all the time. You're crying all the time. And the stress obviously is not good for you or the baby. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I, there's so many people I can help. And so that's how it started. And then it was around that time I got on Facebook and I get in all the natural mom groups and just start answering questions. And it just sort of grew from there. And during all of this time, I really feel like my children saved my life because when Joshua was little and going through the liver failure stuff, I was in stage four adrenal fatigue and I wasn't sleeping and had severe insomnia and panic attacks. And, and because we had to treat him, we had to treat me. And I always say, there's a saying in Eastern medicine, heal the mommy, heal the baby. And I really believe that in him needing so much, he forced me to heal myself. And Mm -hmm. I, I really think that what the baby needs, the mama needs, even when it's stressful. And such a blessing to my life that, that I was able to do that. But between that, and so the whole family seeing the doctor, we're all, I'm learning all this stuff. I'm doing all this studying. And so it went from there and I just started having a following and people from all over the nation started calling me and going, I heard you can help me. Mm. I'll try. It's amazing. It's, it's really amazing, especially when they get amazing results. And so during all this time too, I was also doing all my energy training and shamanic training and feng shui and akashic records and you name it i did all the things because i was on such a mission to heal myself because i knew if i didn't heal me uh, my kids didn't have a chance and so it was really important to me to walk my talk and mm-hmm. so i did the work it's wonderful so you've been doing the work for over 10 years clearly like you started in 1998 well, I, yeah yeah i started the the sort of more metaphysical if i don't know if that's the right word the quantum vibrational stuff way back in 98 when I read the Celestine Prophecy. Oh, right. Yes. I remember that That book. I was like, yes, yes, yes. I read it in one day. I was so excited because I, like you, I was a science girl. I studied psychology with an emphasis in child development and neurology. Like I did brain surgery on rats. So I was very science oriented, but I had all these sort of sixth sense sort of gifts. Mm -hmm. And that book combined the two. It was like that and how to know God by Deepak Chopra, where he uses quantum physics to explain the existence of God. And it took my very literal science mind and my esoteric sixth senses, and it merged it in a way that my brain could get around so I could get past my brain, get past that ego. And so that's when way back when it started. And I started my more formal training in 2003 and I graduated, I did all sorts of stuff, but the shamanic certification was 2013. Tell us about the shamanic journey because I, first of all, I, people say that I am sort of like a shaman, but I have never really gone for training. And the only experience that I had was <laughs> I went to Sedona and I was like, clearly I'm going to Sedona. I should see a shaman. So I contacted this guy. Now this is back in like 2009 or 10 or something like that. So it was still very primitive, the internet and all that. You're just like, you find one guy's picture and it's like, I'm a shaman. And I was like, okay, he's he'll work. <laughs> so I show up and I, I am so scared because all of a sudden, like as my wife, she's now my wife, but at the time she was my girlfriend, she drops me off and I'm like, I'm going to die. 
I literally thought I was going to die. So I go into his office. He has me sit down and he's asking me very deep questions. And I was like, excuse me, but I don't know you very well. So he could tell that it wasn't working very well. So he's like, how about we go to the desert? And I'm like, I'm definitely dying now. (laughs) He goes, let's get into my old red beat up truck. And we're going, we head towards the mountains. And I'm like, fuck, I don't have any water. I have nothing. I don't know where I am. I'm here with this guy. I'm going to die. But it actually wound up being one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I I wound up having a huge healing and crazy emotions come out and amazing experiences talking to spirits throughout the journey and all that. So I, I really do value it. It was just funny how I had knew nothing about it. And then it was such a, uh, a weird experience. I don't even know the name of the guy anymore. I mean, I wrote a whole blog about him and I've talked about him. I, I don't know if he's out there. So anyway, so tell us, how did you get into it? Boy, how did I get to it? So my training is really different than most people think of like a medicine man when they think shaman. And my training was very, very different. In 2003, I was in a room doing medium readings for about 40 people. And in walks this tall, very dark African-American man. And I took one look at him and I was like, hello again. I know you. His name was Ken. Ken was a shaman. And he told me, you have some stuff in your space. You have energetic parasites in your space and I need to help you. I was like, okay. And so I started seeing him. And as I started seeing the results from that work, I looked at him and I was like, I need you to train me. And at the time he was not teaching. So he put an entire class together and I started training with him. So his background, he's a social worker and he studied African shamanism and South American and North American, but a shaman is a master of the light and the dark. A mystic is a master of the light. So it's kind of the difference between duality consciousness and unity consciousness. Hmm. And he is more into mysticism than he is in shamanism. And so the way I was trained, yes, I had to really go into the darkness, the whole concept of being the candle in hell and really become familiar with what that looked like. But our whole goal was to get to unity consciousness, not to conquer duality consciousness. And so that is why throughout my training, why I started calling it quantum vibrational healing, because really the goal is to quantum leap. And, and for those listening, it's the whole concept of when the electron goes up a quantum level in the atom, it changes the nature of the element. And that's really what we're doing. We're electrons jumping to the next quantum level as we raise our vibration. And so the goal is to use all these tools I have, whether it is Akashic records or soul retrieval or opening chakras or balancing the sacred geometry of the body or whatever it is, the goal is to get you in alignment, to remove the stuck energy, the stuck emotions, to bring you back to center and connect you to source in whatever way that's necessary. So journey work, shamanic journey work is very powerful for that because you can go so deep. And I think the shaman's strongest tool is a soul retrieval. So what's a soul retrieval? People are like, that sounds bizarre. Yeah. Tell us. Right. Anytime the, anytime a person has trauma. So let's say a car accident. That's a good example. Most people either have been in one or know someone who has. When the body goes through trauma, there'll be a piece of the energetic field, a piece of the soul that'll be like, I don't want to be here for this kind of la, 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 la. And it'll like break off and take off and go hide somewhere in essence. And people will go through years and years and years and years of trying to heal and nothing works and they never really get better. And it's because the piece of them that needs to heal is off in la-la land. And mm-hmm. in shamanic terms, we call it non-ordinary reality. It's <laughs> sort of like a multi-dimensional concept. And it's like what, the waiting room in Beetlejuice. Right, right, right. <laughs> or or if you've seen the movie, What Dreams May Come, how, how they end up in different places based on what they're thinking and what their resonance is, right? Mm-hmm. So you go find that piece and I reintegrate it into the energetic field. And then suddenly you get massive healing because the part that needs to be there to heal is now present. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I trained in this is because soul retrieval work and shamanic journey work in general was the thing that made the most profound difference in my own life. And I remember my mentor saying, and when you work with clients, and I was like, no, 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 I'm just doing this for me. And he just 
smiled and nodded like, yeah, keep telling yourself that. But I've seen everything from nonverbal autistic kids start trying to babble in three days to people who've had infertility for years, get pregnant, suddenly spontaneous remission, let's call it that. I have a friend who was in the ICU with COVID just recently. And I went in energetically because he was in another state and cleared him. And he went to his doctor two days ago and the doctor said, you're a, you're a miracle. You should have died. Like you had a one in a million chance of living. Wow. And I don't heal. I facilitate the healing. Like I believe that right. each individual person heals themselves. So I have trouble with the word healer, but I was able to hold the space for him so that he could calm down his nervous system. So he wasn't panicking. So we could work through, so his body could calm down. So there's just no end in sight of what you can use any kind of healing work for. And what you were saying about the shaman you worked with, or when you're choosing a healer of any kind, people always ask me, well, what modality do you use? And frankly, I don't care what modality anybody uses. I want to know what their vibration is because your vibration has to be equal to or higher than the person you're working with. And as long as that vibration is there, that's what somebody tries to match. That's what moves the energy. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about, are they looking you in the eyes? Can, do they have wisdom? Do they have knowledge? Have they done the work? Are they walking their talk? And so I don't really care what the modality is. Uh, Somebody who can help you is somebody who is really holding that vibration as far as I'm concerned. I totally agree. And I think, first of all, it's really amazing that you were talking about soul retrieval. I've heard it before. I've never really looked it up. And the way that you described it is exactly what I see when I, when I work with people doing EFT. So you move out the trauma and then I see a golden light of their own energy come in and fill their body. So there is a little bit of added thing that I do with EFT, which is upgrading the DNA. And that's really when that comes back the soul of the person. But this is how it's worked for me my whole life with energy healing is like, I will see it, I will know it, I will feel it. And then I find out, oh, this is part of being a shaman, or this is a part of whatever. So it really is validating is really helpful as a healer to just see those things validated. That's the best way to sure. describe it. Yeah. Because so- sometimes we think we're crazy, right? When your kid is saying, mommy, my tummy hurts, then the baby's only five months old and you're feeling this. And everybody's like, you're crazy. You haven't slept in days. And you're like, that is true. I'm probably crazy. And I also haven't slept in days, but this is also true at the same time. It, yeah, it is it's important to uh, really pay attention to what we see and feel. There's a lot of information there. You mentioned that you were a medium. I, I forgot you, you've done so much that I forgot that that was listed when I was reading your bio. So what was that like when you first started talking to dead people as well? Because it's not easy. Uh, well, at least it wasn't know. for me. It was very fucking scary. So <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. So how did that happen for me? My father was very abusive and the whole restraining orders and the whole nine yards nearly killed my mom and I. And he died when I was 15 years old. And I hadn't seen him since I was three. He started in my early twenties showing up, trying to make amends. And I didn't know that what was happening. I would panic and I'd be writing and I'd be scared, like doing automatic writing. Oh yeah. And I was at a workshop, like this meditation workshop, and they had us doing automatic writing and I'm writing and I'm writing and my handwriting changes. And I look down and I realize this is a message from my father. And that's when I first realized that I was connecting with the other side or whatever word you want to use. Right. But mm-hmm. I just thought it was my dad and it was about healing. But then I had a friend, same thing. Her father came to me. And about that time I met James Von Prague. Oh, really? And yeah, I was at a convention when I worked at channel two, when I was a news producer and those conventions would come through town. I got free tickets to it. So again, what's the irony that the most negative environment on earth, a newsroom is what spurred this for me. But he was talking about how he would notice he'd get these headaches. It it felt like white noise, like the radio was tuned in to just white noise. And it's like right here, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) People who are listening are like, what is she doing? I'm putting my hands in front of my forehead. Like, ah, I realized that that happened to me a lot. And I learned to set boundaries and I created a room between me and the other side. I'm like, all right, you cannot contact me unless the person who needs the message is here. And you can only come in this room and I'm only going to open the door when that person is here. And I really had to set strong boundaries around it. 
But the very first time I realized that I could do it on a larger level, I was in a meditation class and there were about six people there. And somebody said at the end of the class, I was trying to get in touch with my grandmother and I couldn't do it. I was like, can I tell you something? And she goes, sure. And I start rattling off all this stuff that there was no way I could have known. Right. And she's looking at me like, whoa. And I proceeded to go around the entire room and do it for everybody in the room to the point that one of the women, their entire family was arguing over a will and they couldn't find the original. And I told them where the original was and I was right. Wow. And I remember walking out with a friend I was with and looking at him and going, I can actually do this. He was like, you really can. I'm like, "Uh oh, <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. So that's how it started. And I remember my mentor at the time, who ironically was the IT guy at channel two, what are the odds <laughs> looking at me and saying, this is just one tool, right? This is, you're not going to go be James Von Prague. Like this isn't your end point. This is just the beginning point. And I was like, okay. So that is kind of what started my journey into that. And that's why I ended up with the darkness in my space that the person who trained me to be a shaman saw because I didn't know how to set proper boundaries Mm -hmm. and being a really strong empath. I was just picking up everybody's stuff. And I think that's why empathic people tend to gain a lot of weight and tend to have chronic issues is because they take stuff on and don't know how to get rid of it. And so shielding and healthy boundaries are so necessary for people who are working in the healing space. And I think it's a very undervalued thing. You can't just put a bubble of light around you. That doesn't work. People are like, oh, I'm just going to put mirrors facing outwards. No, start there. That's really not it. Yeah. That's not the end all be all. I mean, right. I think once you, once you start doing stuff like that, then you realize the value in it and like, oh, this is how I should feel. This is really me now. When you start right. to clear your energy and, and be able to have those boundaries. And then you're like, how do I keep this? How do I, what do I do to own this more? I want to tell you a, a quick story because you were talking about not my gift. So I also started talking to people who had crossed over and I kept feeling like, I don't think that's really my gift, but I was still curious because I could do it. And so I found this book at a random bookstore. It was like a high school that was trying to make money and somebody had donated this book and it said it's by John Edwards, who is a medium. And mm-hmm. I, I saw it. I'm like, oh, there's a message in here for me clearly because I want to be a medium or I'm supposed to be a medium. And I'm like, but I'm not really sure. So I, I'm like, maybe it says dear Amy or whatever on the inside cover. And I was like, no, oh, it's all right. I'll just take it home. I'll just, you know, read it anyway. Well, I'm reading and out falls this note that says, dear Amy, this is not your gift. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? I was like, I was at the point at that time when I was reading, I had my iPod in and I shut the whole thing down. Like it, like my energy surged so bad that it just shut off. <laughs> like it couldn't oh, be wow. Yeah. So it's nuts how the universe works and, and tries to make sure that we are, are, are staying on the right path, even though, like you said, it was a good gift. Like you could use it. And, and that's what I do is I use it as a tool to help people to heal if it seems appropriate or necessary. So anyway, I thought you'd get, appreciate that because it literally said, this is not your gift. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, that's so ironic, right? Keep yeah. going, keep doing the work. Yeah. Like this and, is and that's, but... that's what's happening now, right? Like, I don't know a light worker or whatever. Yeah, these words, like these words, I always kind of the semantics are are interesting, but people who are sensitive like us who are doing the work, who we know we're here on the planet at this time for a specific reason. Everybody I know for the last couple of years has been going through the crucible. Like you have to step into your power and whether it's chronic illness, like I went through Lyme disease and four co-infections and, and curing it, like I'm completely healed. And I know people are going to be like, you can't cure Lyme. Well, I did. And there's divorces and there's people dying suddenly and life's changing suddenly. And I really think we're seeing this unraveling process of we're going to take everything away from you that is not for your highest good. Mm. And we're going to force you through this tunnel. Like there's no way over it. There's no way under it. You can't go around. You have to walk the journey because we need you to step into your power because you are the people that you're waiting for. Mm. And I'm really seeing that in, in my own life, but in everybody around me right now, that that really is the mission is kind of, there's that meme that is a picture of the wolves going through the snow in like Yellowstone. 
And you can see the alpha wolf is the one that's having to make the tunnel for the rest of the wolves to get through. And we're the alpha wolves. Yeah. I mean, somebody's got to start somewhere and somebody has to forge the path. Who better than the people who are super connected with their intuition and knowingness and what would serve people more so? There's just so many things that haven't been working that it's kind of getting a little bit easier to see that, well, it's definitely not that. (laughs) So let's try to like listen to see what could replace that. It's funny you say that for the last couple of years, people have been called to step up because that's why I started the podcast, right? It was very hard for me to start a podcast, mostly because I was a kid who never wanted to have opinions about anything because I grew up in a large family and I never spoke up. I certainly didn't want to tell anybody about my gifts. And when they first started opening up, it was just kind of like friends would tell friends and then I would start to help them out and things like that. And it grew like that way. I look at starting the podcast as like another coming out of just like, really like, who am I? What do I stand for? Who are the people that are really cool on this planet that are doing cool things? Meet them. And spirit actually came to me and said, the whole world is going to change and they're going to need to know what you have to share. So don't delay. And I was like, do you mean the podcast world is going to (laughs) change? Like, What do you mean by that? And my podcast came out March 17th of 2020. And the lockdown was March 19th. We just got to answer the call. Like we just have to listen and do as is needed or felt. Right there with you. Yeah. So how do we raise our vibration? How would you suggest that we do that? So we can call in this new earth and this new system or whatever we're building or creating. I think it's a a combination of things. So I, I think healing happens spiritually, energetically, and then emotionally, and then physically because the physical is the most dense vibration and Mm -hmm. you have to move that energy and move those stuck emotions first. But I also think you can go in reverse. So we are spirits living in a third dimensional body. And this is the vehicle through which we walk through the world with, and we are being poisoned from every direction right now, whether it's the glyphosate on our food, which is the active ingredient in Roundup and is in 80% of the food supply, or it's what's being sprayed in the skies, or it's what's in our water, whether it's like the pharmaceutical and the birth controls and the pesticides and the heavy metals, or the flame retardants in our couch. Like Artificial trees are covered in flame retardants and that gets in your air and messes up your hormones. Mm -hmm. Like in here, we're going into the Christmas season, right? So we're literally being poisoned from every direction and you need to have less toxins going in. (laughs) Well, right. Tell lie vision, right. Programming. Yep. Like they tell you it's, it's right there in plain sight. And it's, it's so obvious that people look right past it. I remember watching the Lego movie. Keep it there. Yes. Like, remember the Lego movie? Did you see the Lego movie? I can't say I did. If you have kids, your kid, your I son do. Love it. But that movie is basically a documentary because they put it in a movie. It's like, oh, that's not real. But we're living in an upside down world. So first, the knowledge of what's happening. Justice is perverted and healthcare is not healthcare. It's sick care and, mm-hmm. and on and on and on. Nothing is real. And so first, you have to wake up to that knowledge. Physically, you have to do the things you need to do to take care of that physical body. If you're not eating organic, you're poisoning yourself every day, period, end of statement. If you're using conventional body care products, you're poisoning your body every day, period, end of statement, because anything you put on your skin is absorbed into the bloodstream, Mm -hmm. right? And if you're not filtering your water, if you're taking pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals are poison period, end of statement. Your body is not deficient in a pharmaceutical product. Your body might be deficient in magnesium or vitamin C or something, or may have a yeast overgrowth or too much virus or something like that, but it's not deficient in a pharmaceutical. And therefore that can't be the solution. It's just treating a symptom, not a cause. Mm -hmm. And so getting really clear physically with how you want to live. And it's a lifestyle choice. Like it's a lifestyle choice to go out in the sun and make sure you're getting natural vitamin D. And you also make something called cholesterol sulfate when you're out in the sun. And so you're in a sulfur cycle. And if you don't go out in the sun, you end up in a nitrogen cycle. And then you end up with the cholesterol issues in your bloodstream and things like that. Like uh, Dr. Stephanie Seneff wrote a great book on that, but the sun is really important. Exercise is really important. Hugs 
are really important Mm -hmm. and what you're eating and drinking and, and like what you said, the programming, what you're taking into your brain, all of that really matters. And the higher vibrational food you're eating and information you're taking in and water you're being exposed to the higher physically your vibration can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are people out there who are so high vibrational that they can pray over their food and shift the vibration. Most of us are not that great. (laughs) We're not that good at it. And do you really want to put your energy there? One of the things that I personally believe switching everything out is going to cause more stress than it's going to be a burden on your body. That's also something to take into consideration. So, I mean, I am all for eliminating as many toxins as possible, wherever they may be coming from. But if that, cause I, I know that I started stressing out like a lot when I first started reading this, I was like, holy crap, like, what don't I know? You don't know what you don't know. Right. So I was like, ah, oh, is this good? What's this going to do? So like a lot of times I'm just like, okay. Amy, we're going to just put some things in place where you're going to have a very low toxic load. And then also we were talking a little bit about what your son has, which is the MTHFR gene, which I'm sure you have. And many Mm -hmm. empaths, I I feel like it goes hand in hand with the journey and having that gene expression, but it means that you don't detox very well. So it's also like a good idea not to (laughs) fill your body. Right. Well, and to support the detox processes. I mean, like I mentioned magnesium, most of the world is deficient in magnesium and magnesium is what helps you eliminate, right? right? Like it's kind of key, just mineral balance alone. I have a friend who's an epigeneticist and works a lot with autistic children. And she said across the board, they're all mineral deficient with mineral imbalances. Like just adding a high quality mineral supplement that has like a fulvic acid in it. So you absorb it into your diet can make a gigantic difference in the conductivity in your body. Cause that's what sure. makes the ions, which is what makes electricity in your nerves. Right. And then we're back to talking energy. Right. Right. We are energy. I was just talking about in a podcast recently where we want to just get out the interference. So if it's right. emotional, if it's physical, if it's a toxin, just get the interference out. And then the body naturally does what it needs to do. And then it has this conductivity that is the way that it was always meant to be, which then is our highest vibration. And that leads to the whole emotional piece. So many people will suppress emotions and you suppress your emotions and you get dis-ease, right? D-I-S hyphen E-A-S-E. So all the disease comes from the second chakra, which is the emotional body. And being able to process through emotions and allow them to move through you. So you feel them versus becoming them is huge. And oftentimes we need to ask for help with that. Especially if you're a man listening to this podcast, men are really bad about asking for help, but a lot of us are because coming up against those intense emotions, our body doesn't know the difference between danger. A tiger is chasing us and danger. That emotion is scary. And Mm -hmm. it immediately puts us into fight or flight. So oftentimes you need help, but I want to give your listeners a tool if they want to try and do it themselves, whether it's I'm sick and my lungs are full of stuff, or I keep having this same situation show up in my life or whatever it is, you write down on a piece of paper. If my lungs could talk, they would say, or I keep dealing with this same emotion over and over and I need help figuring out why. And you start what I call automatic writing. It's stream of consciousness writing. And you just write whatever comes into your mind. And sometimes if you're really stuck, you'll be writing, I'm writing and I feel stupid and this is ridiculous and I'm not going anywhere. And and you have to push through that. And once Mm -hmm. you get good at it, you can go right into it. But in essence, you start channeling your higher self, your own intuition, your Some people will say guide, some people say God, some people say Jesus source. Uh, They all mean the same thing to me. Mm -hmm. It's all energy energy and you're trying to get to the cause of the problem. You good? Sorry, I just got a surge of energy through my ears. That was weird. (laughs) And I was like, what is going on? (laughs) It's going, listen now. But as you process through those emotions and you allow it to come up and when you process emotions, they'll always leave your body's water. So you'll start sweating. You'll need to go to the bathroom. You'll start crying. And that's always a good thing because it means you're releasing it. So that's the next key way that you need to raise your vibration, especially a lot of people are in adrenal fatigue and panic or anxiety state just because of the world we live in. And that is always related to, to suppressed emotions. Always. Like you can't heal the adrenals without dealing with the suppressed emotions. And then of course, we've already talked about the energetic sort of spiritual aspects. Let's pull back on just on that for one second. I just want to help 
the listener make that leap. So if you have suppressed emotions, it's like having 12 tabs running in your background on your computer. Like it's taking manpower, it's calculating and holding that window open. It's like, when are we going to process this? Or are we going to close it? Are we going to go back here and read this? What's going on here? So it's kind of like something's always going on in the background. And that's why it's draining your resources, which your body's like, what the fuck? Why is there 12 tabs open? I didn't even know that there was two. Who's opening these goddamn tabs? You know, it's like, <laughs> um, so basically you want to just like deal with the emotions because it is hijacking your supercomputer that is you. I love that analogy. Perfect. Well, and then the final step is that energetic spiritual. And we've already talked about soul retrievals and, you know, past lives and balancing chakras and, and all of those things that go into it. But what does that really mean? Ultimately, is your body in flow? Most people have seen, I actually have it sitting here, so I'll hold it up. It's an acupuncture doll, hey, right? Yeah, I have the same one. Do you? Nice. Actually, right. mine's prettier. It has lines. Yours is prettier. <laughs> mine's just really faded. See? <laughs> oh, you do have them. Okay. I do. I don't even know where I got this guy, but yeah, he's got but the But if you've got this central line up through working and you've got flow between all of your chakras and all of the flow in the body, it's the same concept of the hose that has a kink in it and you don't have enough flow. You open that up and then the flow happens And ideally you want to be in the middle of the Taurus, which is the energy coming up through the center, out the top of your head, going all the way around you and coming back through. And you're just in this constant flow. And that incidentally is the best way to protect yourself and have boundaries from other people's energy. Because if you're in infinite flow, nobody can take anything from you because it's infinite and nothing gets stuck in you because it's in flow. Mm -hmm. And so being really grounded and really connected at the same time and and having that flow is your best protection from a boundary perspective as a healer, as an energy worker to not take on the stuff that, that you're helping your clients clear. Yeah. Big, important thing to remember. We do not want to have the pains that our clients have for sure. Right. And you had mentioned about how James Von Prague had that like, Sounds like static in his sixth chakra. That's how I felt when I was in massage school because I had to get a massage license in order to do energy work. Every time I put my hands on somebody's body, it was like hearing 12 channels at the same time. And I would say to my classmates, like, does this happen to you? Because like, this is really driving me nuts. And they were like, no. And I was like, I was getting pictures and images and hearing things all at the same time. It's hard to explain energy because it's just so fast. And so I was like, I, I can't do massage. So I, in massage school, I would tell the director, I'd be like, yep, I did the massage. <laughs> She'd be like, you did not. <laughs> And I'm like, please don't make me do it. So anytime that she could really like give me like a minimal effort kind of thing, she would allow me to do that. It was just funny. I also didn't like to massage certain people in our class because I knew they had a lot of unresolved trauma and I was just like not there yet in terms of being able to handle it or process it or protect myself. So it's an interesting experience. And you meet a massage therapist and they're like, you have, you have a knot in your neck. I can feel it. And they'll just go there. And then, and that's, that's intuition. That's their purpose here. Like they get it and it's so valuable. And, and all I did was take that next step. And it's like, why is that not there? What pictures are in there? What story is it telling and why is it stopping the flow of energy? And so that's how I got into where I am now just keep asking those questions. I was dumbfounded when I found out there was actual information in there and it wasn't just like some random thing that happened to the body. So you talk about, instead of saying dark night of the soul, you say hero's journey, which I really love that term as well. I would love for you to explain what the hero's journey is for the listener. We talk about peeling of the onion and at each level, if you think about cutting an onion, the tears come out, the processing happens. And we go through those levels until we really get through to the other side of the tunnel that I spoke about earlier. And that's why people call it the dark night of the soul, because you kind of go into those shadow places, into the dark places, and you're bringing the light into them to illuminate them to go through it. But you have to walk through it. But the dark night of the soul sounds scary when really what you're doing is you're becoming more of yourself. You're letting go of all that is not you, of all that is not serving your highest good. And you're becoming the hero you're meant to be on this journey. And those of us who choose to walk that journey consciously 
are doing so because we have a soul mission. We're here on the planet at this time for a reason. And we know we have to show up and we know we can't do that if we don't get out of our own way. Mm. And so it's not the hero's you. journey, That's the whole thing that we forget, right? <laughs> I mean, it really like it is, is about, about you, but it's not. <laughs> how do I serve? And right. the clearer channel that I am, the, the more capable I am of holding the space for others so that they can do the same thing. Cause that's all a healer does. We're just facilitating, holding the space. I can't do that if I'm caught up in my own story and, and my own issues. And so the hero's journey, we all have an ego and they say that death of the ego is enlightenment. So uh, very few people have ever reached enlightenment, right? Like getting past the ego is not an easy thing. And if you can give the ego something to attach to, the ego doesn't like the idea of the dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. but the ego's like, Ooh, I get to go on a hero's journey. You kind of get to circumvent your ego in doing that. And, and it, it makes the journey more palatable because it's not fun, right? Nobody wants to sit curled up in the fetal position crying. <laughs> like we've all been there, but nobody wants to go there unless the benefits on the other side. And so I think that we go through many of them. I don't think there's just one. There's there's different, like when my son was so sick and mm-hmm. that was one aspect of my journey. When I went through Lyme, that was another aspect of my journey. Like there's, there's always gonna be new things, but my mentor way back when said to me, it's not that life gets easier. It's that you have more tools with which to deal with it. So it feels easier. You're more capable of breathing profoundly. You're more capable of being mindful. You're more capable of flipping that switch on those on that negative self-talk and redirecting it, of, of a gratitude practice, of recognizing that you need to feel, not become. And this is the practice. This is the journey. It's why I called my business Higher Living Journey, because you start wherever you start and nobody's nobody's journey is the same mm-hmm. and the path up the mountain is going to be different for everybody. And the only person who doesn't get anywhere is the person at the bottom of the mountain telling everybody else their route is wrong. There was a lot in there, but it is interesting when, when you talk about how I've heard people in the spiritual community saying, I want to reach enlightenment. And I'm like, I don't know why, but there, I am not drawn to that concept, the way that it is understood within the spiritual world. I feel like enlightenment is resilience, is being able to be here when something happens that is not maybe what you thought was going to happen or part of the what you thought was the plan, let's say, and being able to shift in the moment or recalibrate in some way. I think that's enlightenment, truly. I mean, I think that and loving being here and being the highest expression of who you are and being okay with that. I think that's enlightenment. I don't think there's, to me, it doesn't seem like there's more than that. I mean, but this is earth school. It is really fucking hard. And if you can fucking master that shit, you're going to go on to do great things outside of here. <laughs> like, I right, feel like that's like right. graduation, man. Good luck. Maybe you're going to another planet, but that's enlightenment to me is, is being able to be fully present in the scariest of moments and say, who am I? How am I going to show up? I've heard someone say enlightenment is perfect forgiveness in moment after moment after moment because that's what you're doing, right? You're in there and you're, I'm just forgiving self. I'm forgiving the situation. I'm just, mm-hmm. it's a constant forgiveness because what does forgiveness do? It takes you from fear to love. Mm-hmm. So right there with you, what's the highest vibration emotion? Definitely love. Like if we can just sit in that and be that, right? I am, I am that I am. Oh, fly. Sorry. <laughs> Apparently has a message for me, right? Am I going to have to go look up fly now? <laughs> See, but that's, but that's being present. A a lot of people will say, oh, you're woo woo or I'm woo woo because we like are interested in what a fly represents, but we're just, (laughs) we're literally just being like, Hey, thanks for being here, dude. I know that you could have been anywhere else at any other time. And also been here and I didn't notice you, but I did notice you. So what, what's the message here? Mm -hmm. I think that is another part of being enlightened is just really appreciating and seeing the moments when they happen and embracing them and not judging them or thinking they should be different or whatever. One of the number one things that we suffer from is the stuckness that we feel, the resistance to what is. But as soon as we accept it, we're like, is that all that it is? (laughs) It's like, right. I just need to accept the fact that this all happened to me and then I feel better. Oh yeah. Okay. I can do that then. But it's so hard to get to that point. 
the anticipation of it, there's more resistance in that than there is when you actually do it. Like you said, like, you're like, that was it. And people say, I'm going to have some suppressed memory come up. No, you're not. It's not something you don't know. It's just that you haven't connected A and B yet and, and understand the causal relationship. And then all of a sudden it's like, aha, oh, that's all it was. And you just understand things in a newer way, a deeper way. But we think it's going to be this traumatic experience in our body. The whole adrenaline fight or flight thing comes to the surface because all anxiety is, is your body's way of avoiding an emotion it's scared of. Mm. And if you can get to the emotion underneath that anxiety and clear that, the anxiety goes away. Yeah, for sure. I was just out last night and I was talking to a woman who's had a lot of stomach issues since she was apparently three, I could see that it started then. And she was like, well, I used to throw up all the time between three and six. I said to her, you experienced something very scary at at three. And that's what caused you to feel unsafe. And she was moving a lot. And I I said, do you move? Did you move a lot as a child? Yes. We moved all the time. And then she goes, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I'm starting to feel some stomach gains. Like I said, that's your body talking to you. Listen to it. Like ask some more questions about that stomach pain. It's not just random that it would pop up as I'm telling you about this story like you said, A to B, and then it's like, what is C? Why, why is it here? And are you familiar with the meanings of organs? In Chinese medicine, every organ represents an emotion. Stomach mm-hmm. is allowing new energy in. Small intestines is integrating new information. Lungs are grief. Liver is anger. Gallbladder is resentment. Pancreas is the inner child and the sweetness in life. Spleen is worry. I use that, especially with little kids. When kids are really off balance emotionally, sometimes you can tell physically where they're off balance by the emotions they're expressing. And then what you need to treat. If a kid Mm. is really, really, really scared, their kidneys or their bladder are probably out of balance. So give that kid some cranberry juice. If they're having stomach issues, what's happening in their lives that they don't want to absorb, that they don't want to let in. And there's always something that you can learn. The body speaks to us. It tells us. We just have to learn to listen. And I think that's the part of the new earth is this listening to the body and how it can keep the score and the issues are in the tissues. Like we need to address this more holistically and fully instead of just masking. I mean, what we've been doing has been not only masking symptoms in our bodies, but also masking symptoms in the outside world. And it's like that bandaid is like shriveled up and gone at this point. Like all of us are like, whoa, what happened over here? We need to attend to this shit. This is like really bad. I think that's what we're doing and going to create a new world and healing for everyone. Hopefully if we all can just keep this higher vibration, it's hard. It's very distracting. And there will be those who can't make it. There will be those who I like to say they're going to exit stage left. Mm. Like, "Mm, I'm not ready for this. I'm I'm exiting. I'll come back again. I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. I think that's the hardest part of what we're watching in the world right now is people are dying. We're watching people make choices that are going to put them in a bad situation and we have to let them. That's their journey. It's not ours. And Mm -hmm. having that compassion and that allowance of this is your journey and I'm going to support you in your journey. And the flip side is not happening. The people who are really scared don't allow others to have their journey. And I think that's why we see such a division Mm, in the world is because if we're trying to make people do something because we're scared, then we're just perpetuating the fear and keeping things in a low vibration. And that serves nobody except for the people who are making money on the division, right? And getting power from the division, but it doesn't help the everyday person. And so choosing that compassion, choosing that allowance and just loving people wherever they are, it sounds really easy. It's a lot harder to do, but that's the goal. Yeah. Love is the way. I know it sounds Mm -hmm. cheesy, but you just let people be where they're at and accept them on their journey and say, that's your choice. And I would like to keep my choice, whatever that may be. And my choice does not influence your choice unless you think it does. And then it does <laughs> because, right? it could, because you brought that into your experience. We've got a lot of growth to do. Indeed. Where do you think we are right now uh, in terms of third to fourth chakra? Are we like right below the fourth? <laughs> what do you think? From what I'm seeing, if we talk about dimensions and the fact that our eyes only see a small smidgen of the visual spectrum and we only hear a small, you know, and all of that, when we talk about the wider world, I think there's a lot more light than people realize. I think a lot of the darkness has been illuminated. And I think what we're watching in the world right now is that illumination because that darkness has been there for millennia. Mm -hmm. We're just finally seeing it. And people are like, it's getting so bad. No, no, no. It's not getting bad. It's getting revealed. 
And when it's revealed, then we can do something about Mm it. A perfect example, just in the last 24 hours, in the county that I live in, there's been a lot of controversy over our school board and a lot of very upset parents. Parents joined together and they joined teams and they went for it. And we flipped our entire school board, all four seats. Oh, wow. And that is a change that you can get into where you have power, you have control right at that local level. Mm -hmm. And that's a very physical manifestation of what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. But that's a material way that we can look at how things are changing. I was at a rally a couple of days ago, and I was seeing people from all different walks of life, people who were artists who couldn't go somewhere because they had to have a certain pass to get in. And they were like, that's not okay. And, and conservatives and crunchy mamas and like this whole range of people and all these groups are coming together and realizing that we need to stand up against those that would try and control us, I think is the best way to put it. The sort of oligarchy sense of Mm -hmm. these people who are making money off of the bats of the regular person. Mm -hmm. And there's that meme going around of people playing Monopoly on the backs of people. And Mm -hmm. if they only just realized all they had to do is stand up and the game would be over. Mm -hmm. And I really am seeing signs physically, tangibly in the world that people are starting to see. We have more similarities than we have differences. Mm -hmm. There are roots with which we can respect each other and support each other and live lives the way that we see fit for ourselves without interfering in other people's lives. And we get into this sense of, but you could hurt me and you could hurt me. And that's the fear zone again. People are getting to that critical mass where there's like, I I just don't have time to be afraid anymore. I want to just live my life. And I think there's a huge movement forward of people who are going to take self-responsibility because ultimately, how do we heal the world? We heal ourselves. And so many people are now willing to do that because they're seeing that what they've been doing hasn't been working and different aspects of the darkness are affecting their lives, which is waking them up. And then they're seeing the entire sort of inverted world that we're living in and going, none of this is okay. What can I do? What gift do I bring to the world that I can change? And and maybe you're going door to door to put flyers on somebody's thing. Maybe you're doing healing work. Maybe you're writing blog posts. Maybe you're doing a podcast. Maybe you're sharing information on social media. Like there's so many different ways. Maybe you're just going to a nursing home and giving people hugs. Mm -hmm. Like what can you personally do? Or just carrying a very high vibration throughout the world. Right. Just how do you be the change you wish to see in the world? What are your gifts and how can you bring them to the world? Mm -hmm. More and more see people doing that. And so I really do think we're at about critical mass. I think, you know, some people say God wins, the light wins, love wins. Ultimately, yes. The question is how much chaos do we have to go through before enough people wake up to it? And I think we're about there. Every year I name the year. And I call 2020 the year of unraveling. And I think right now we're seeing that unraveling happen really fast. Like if little kids would get on the swing and they twist it up and then they let it go and it starts going faster and faster. I think that's where we're at right now. And I'm calling 2022 the year of new foundations. I think we're going to see a lot of chaos in the sense of people are going to be standing up for elections. They're going to be standing, they're going to be like learning about judges Mm -hmm. and, and how they get elected. They're going to be at their school board meetings. They're going to be at their town council meetings. They're going to start supporting each other in a local way because the supply chains are breaking down. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to have more community because we're going to have to rely on each other. Mm -hmm. And that is going to create the new foundations that bring us out of this sort of top-down control. And I think it's going to take a few years to really get there. But I think next year is when when those foundations start to be built. Mm -hmm. I agree. You had said 2020, but you meant 2021. I did. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just wanted 2020 to year of clear sight, I think is what I called it. And the 2021 right. was the year of unraveling because I really think that the matrix, so to speak, is unraveling and people are starting to see it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And so now we get the chance to build the new foundations and that's going to take leaders. And like I said earlier, it's going to take people stepping into their power and bringing whatever their individual gift is. And I think we all have one. 
-hmm. And if you don't know what your gift is, get out that automatic writing it right at the top of the page. My gifts are. Yeah, it's been so wonderful to talk to you, Jody. You are a beautiful light in this world and you have so much to share. And I really am lucky to have been able to spend the last hour with you. Good luck working with Deltry. Hopefully that works out. Or if not, you'll be on to bigger and better things. So um, something's coming, right? Yeah. Thank you for being here. We need you. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. And let's raise the vibration, right? Here we grow. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. And here we grow. Yep. I love it. All content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.